Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. What is the importance of belonging? And why do we all need to belong somewhere? It is built into our human nature. Learn how the powerful philosophy of Ubuntu helps to deliver a simple roadmap to building positive teams and relationships, improving engagement and performance. Get your copy of Belonging and Healing, Creating Awesomeness for Yourself and Others by Dr. Dave Cornelius on Amazon.com. So, hello and welcome to the Now Show with Dr. Dave podcast. I am Dr. Dave Cornelius, your host. Um, as we continue with our Resiliently You podcast series, my guest today is Brandon and Nicole. You know, can't I just can't wait to hear what they have to say and what they have to share. Um, so, Brandon, Nicole, um, provide an elevator pitch about your journeys in life as a coach and as someone who is um, helping people to be resilient. I mean, I'd love to hear from you. Sure. So I'm Nicole Raines. Uh, the professional title is Licensed in Marriage and Family Therapist. But what that means is that I work with people with mental health, relationships in all phases and stages, and wellness. I also do some consulting with organizations, including law firms. I'm a former, now non-practicing attorney. So being able to bring well-being and resilience and just being able to cope with life stress to organizational structures as well, and also happen to be a podcaster. So all of those things wow. boil right on in together. That's nice. Yeah, she does a lot. <laughs> uh, and good at it too. Uh, so my name is Brandon Rains. I am uh, a coach. I am an organizational and systems coach and I, I play a lot in the agile space. So I do a lot of agile coaching as well. Um, so I find myself working very much in the, uh, pretty much in the IT space because that's where I got my grounding. I'm a, I'm a software developer I'm going way back. Um, I'm starting to realize that it is really way back now. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm finding myself now working much more with organizations uh, who want to adopt agility and not just the frameworks, but the, the mindset of it, the idea of being able to work in a way such that things change and being able to adapt to that change as, as quickly as possible and to do it in a conscious way such that uh, the workforce feels engaged, customer, customers feel great and joy uh, with, with the products that they're getting um, and that it's, it's somewhere to come to work every day to feel, feel happy. Um, and so that's what gets me up in the, every morning is to work with organizations who have the intent of doing that and um, me doing my little part to help. Yeah, so it says vote, vote yes for better code. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's where <laughs> I, I got started as well as, uh, you know, being a software engineer and then expanding out to coaching and, and fun stuff that we do. And I, I love, man, I love your background. You know, you have VUCA on, on there. It's a beautiful term that I like to use a lot, you know. Um, so thank you for thank sharing you. that with us. Thank you. Let's talk about resilience, right? I mean, let's talk about resilience in the context of leading an organization or even helping individual transformation. You know, how do you guys define that? 
you know, it's funny, we were having this conversation leading up uh, up to this, and we often find ourselves having these conversations a whole lot. And, you know, Nikki coming from her perspective um, in the mental health space and, and me in the, you know, systems and organizational space, we see this a lot. Um, you know, what does it mean to be resilient? And I know she schooled me a whole lot on this idea of resilience comes out of adversity. Um, and, you know, I think uh, she'll she'll definitely talk about her end of it. But for, for me, I think we I see adversity a lot of time, particularly around change um, in organizations, because I, I, I get brought in because it's, hey, help us adopt Agile. And so immediately it becomes the big change conversation, which oftentimes bring about adversity. And then there's the follow on conversations around, well, how does resiliency check into that um, as being something that that change being a long term uh, event, if you will, and the ability to be resilient, to get up the next day (laughs) after something goes really hairy and be able to say, you know what, this is still important, um, this is still meaningful, and this is still worthy of me to show up um, to try again. Yeah. So resilience is, I mean, with Brandon just piggybacking on that, is that it's a byproduct of those difficulties and change is difficult for people and for organizations. So looking at it as not just, sometimes people say, oh, I'm a resilient person, and not just it being a character trait, but it's also a skill that can be developed. And that's where being able to coach or being able to consult really helps people. Yeah, and, and when you say change is hard or difficult, you know, I, I what just came to mind, I was thinking of someone that I know from Boston who was say, this is wicked hard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's right. in that dialect, right? Uh, so let's talk about, you know, why is the resilience such an important skill to like cultivate um, in a world with, that's filled with VUCA? You know, we just talked about volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. You know, how does that help you, you know, to navigate in that type of a world that we live in today? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I believe that the, the one thing that is constant is change. We're, I mean, as a clinician, don't say always or never, but when it comes to change, we're always going to face change and uncertainty. And our brains actually aren't really, it doesn't like, our brains don't like uncertainty. So really being able to help people (laughs) develop resilience is a way to be able to cope and face and know that you can handle the change. And even if you don't handle it the way that you want it to in that moment resiliency is being able to say you know what i'm going to get up the next day to be able to try again yeah you know nikki nailed it and i think this is the world that we live in now right and maybe have been for a long time it's just that now that we've had these wonderful terms of art like VUCA to to help express it a a whole lot better Um, but yeah this is the world that we live in and wouldn't it be nice if this is the world that we live in that we also adopt some tools and techniques and language around what we're in and how to work with it, as Nikki talked about it, cope with it. You know, this is her specialty around, you know, how do we cope with things and come and come home every single day and acknowledge that was rough. And it might be rough tomorrow. And, you know, what do I need to do in order to thrive, not just survive all the time, but, but, but thrive too in, in those kind of situations. 
I think you said something really important, which is language. And Dr. Dave, you pointed out that the language behind us and being able to have language really empowers people to talk about their experience and not being able to say, hey, change is hard. Oh, wait, resilience is a byproduct. Okay, how can I build this instead of being able to say, I'm just not a resilient person? Well, oh, Brandon's here. I can talk to him about this or, you know, being able to get some coaching around it so that, you know, okay, even if you feel low in resilience, you're going to be able to build it up. And I think that that's really hopeful. Uh, you know, I, I, we could go probably on for this <laughs> back and forth. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think is so, I, for me, it's been so empowering to be able to, again, name certain things um, of what's happening because there's a certain amount of normalizing that comes with that. And when you are able to express it to somebody else and they can go, oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> and, and then there becomes a strength in numbers kind of thing because you know, you know you're not going through something alone. And I think as humans, that, that connection piece is always there. Um, so it can be incredibly powerful to, to name it, to share it um, and to work with, with others around it. Now, that's really powerful, you know, using language and, and also giving it an identity that people could connect with. But let's bring this home to both of you. You know, what makes you resilient? <laughs> practice, Dr. Dave. <laughs> practice. And I mean, there can be, again, like there might, I have, I'm a natural optimist, uh, which can be something that leads to hardiness is the personality trait that people talk about but honestly going through a lot of major just personal and professional change uh, i used to work for a community nonprofit, and like our first year there we were working in the community doing in-home therapy and one of our clients unfortunately was was killed and we wrapped around the team that was there. And I was telling Brandon, we were talking about, you know, this was my idea of like, wow, we were a really resilient team because we had this tragedy, not just even adversity, and we're able to come together and, and talk about it. So through that, um, the practice that we had in, okay, this thing is terrible, that that's really one of the things where I'm like, wow, you know, not only am I showing resilience to be able to share with the actual clinician whose client it was, but seeing her resilience and seeing our resilience as a team. So I would say practice has made me resilient. Um, being able to say when things are hard is, is something else. Uh, a lot of times we can be silenced and say, oh, don't say what's difficult, but that's leading into the resiliency and being able to just at, at, at best um, when you're out of the crisis phase or even as you're going through it, how do you take care of yourself? And that's that's something else that I feel has led to help me with my resilience is taking breaks I and mean, doing different things, listening to music, getting some movement in there. So that's that's what's actually led me to my my resilience, but definitely practice <laughs> lots of practice. Mm. Yeah, uh, Nikki. Um... Talking about practice, it, it reminds me of something I heard a while ago, uh, which is practice makes permanent. Mm. And, um, and it, it's huge. It's, it's helped me so much. And, and she's right. Practice is so key. Um, 
and for me, part of that practice to become more resilient is continuously coming back to reevaluating, reminding myself of my North Star. Um, you know, what, what, am I, what is my purpose? What are my values? And whatever I'm involved in, does it match up? Does it align with those things? And it at least gives me the ability to say, hey, is this worth my energy to be resilient about? Um, and so, because uh, I, I feel like, you know, my energy, my time, um, particularly at this point in my life, it, it's become very valuable. Um, and uh, with a family, with, with a wife, uh, I want to be very intentional about how I use my time and energy, no matter what the space is. So continuously reminding myself about those, those the, my, my purpose and my, my values um, becomes really, really incredible. In addition to a lot of the things that Nikki was talking about, you know, just, just some daily practices <laughs> to kind of get rooted <laughs> before you step in to, um, to lots of situations. And then when you step out of them, um, having a good, good way to, to reground yourself or um, discharge a little bit. You know, I, I love the language that you guys are using, you know, self-care, you know, awareness, inquiry, you know, all positive, healthy things, you know, for us as we try to become more resilient in our lives, right? And even just being, a, you know, mindful of the fact that we don't, our time isn't infinite, right? I mean, yeah, you got to choose. Yes. As, uh, yeah. as I heard once before, father time is undefeated. So, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I'm like, that's too morbid. You know, so I heard it on the, the news the other day. Like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Stay positive, man. <laughs> you know, so how do we create belonging through the organization on individual transformation? You know, co-create, not just create, but co-create the, the, the wonderful partnership. You know, um, so I've become a really big fan of Cotter's work, and I love the steps that he talks about. And I know what gets me jazzed when I come to an organization, whether or not, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually a part of that organization or I'm helping that organization. I get real jazzed about, well, what are we trying to do? What's our mission? What's our purpose? You know, what's the hill that we're trying to take? And you know, if I hear something that connects with me, that resonates with me, brother, I'm in, <laughs> you know, and I, I will I will stay engaged as, as long as I have a real alignment to that mission. Um, and, and I know that there is a leader there who is open, um, who listens, and who, I love the word that you use, who's willing to co-create. Yeah. And part of that co-creation is being really clear on, well, do I, am I looking for input from the team? And how is that input gonna get used? Being really clear around that, because I, then I know, you know where, where I stand and how I can contribute. Again, it's back to me is how I use my energy and my, my time. Um, so I, I love organizations who either are doing that, trying to do that, or willing to do those kinds of things. Because um, I think that that creates the engagement. And then, you know, doing a little check-in. 
and saying, how engaged are, are people in, around me? And being able to say, you know what? I measured it. That's not good enough. I want to do better. And what can I do to get better? Yeah. Fun yeah. stuff. I, I, I like that. I mean, is it that listening to understand? Because mm. it's that, that human need to feel understood that really helps with the sense of belonging and having a leader that, that does do that. So you're listening to understand instead of respond, which can be hard sometimes. And then being able to do that check-in of, well, did I get that right? Because each individual sense of belonging can be slightly different because they're all unique. Yeah, I mean, what what I'm hearing coming out of you know, vote or vote from both you, Brandon and Nikki. If I could call you Nikki, because yes. I mean, that's what your husband. Okay, <laughs> I asked permission. You know, don't call me Nikki. My name is Nicole. <laughs> it is fine, Doctor Dave. Thank you, Brad. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, what I hear you, both of you saying is we're we're talking about being seen, heard, and valued. Yeah. And I think that's so important in today's world. Well, it's always been important. Uh, so if we think about some tangible benefits gained by organizations, uh, you know, when their employees, their people who work there have a sense of belonging, you know, share some of your experience um, that you've, uh, you know, that you've had. It makes the difficulties uh, not feel as... Um traumatic. They don't rock as hard when you you have that sense of belonging. And there are going to be days, even if you love your job, that you might not go skipping into work, but you do feel like, oh, okay, this is a place that I want to be for the next however many hours. So it contributes to just the overall morale of the, the workplace. Emotional contagion is something that I talk to or, organizations mm -hmm. about, because even if you just have a few, I mean, it's it's catchy. So you can have a few people who um, there's their morale could be really low because they don't feel that sense of belonging. And it just takes everyone down that that path or a lot of others. So really just looking at those kind of things of like, oh, okay, I want to be here. I do feel heard. I feel seen, even if it, I'm not getting my way all the time, but I do feel like I was, I was heard. And you see me for who I am. I'm able to come in and have difficult conversations. There isn't a sense of sometimes people think, oh, let's avoid the conflict. But no, conflict is actually measured and handled in a way that feels respectful. That contributes to the sense of belonging as well. And you're going to actually see lower conflict. You're going to see higher productivity when people feel that sense of belonging and really just being able to keep people there as well. And I would go. I, I would also add that, particularly for organizations who create products or, or even services, the quality goes up too. You know, people show up and they're jazzed about doing the work. Well, that gets extended to the people that you know, the direct customers that they work with every single day. Uh, so that product gets gets better too. Um, and, and you know that. I, so I think lots of people can do lots uh, can go out. There's so so much research out there that talks about, you know, the higher the engagement scores, um, higher morale mm -hmm. about about those things and, and the benefits of it, and and most people will see uh, through those numbers. You know, those are the those are the companies where you where you see they land on the list every single year of best places to work, right? And when you dig a little bit deeper. 
It's, you know, I really enjoy my leadership, my direct leadership. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the team that I'm working for, uh, that I work with every single day. I really enjoy the, the work that I'm doing. It's meaningful. I understand it. Um, those are typically the kind of things that you see out there. And, you know, I, I, I venture to say, even if you never looked at any of that research, take a look at your own life and see what, you know, ask yourself, what was the best team that you worked with? You know, or what was the best company that you worked with? And I'd, I'd put money on it that the answers to that question probably lines up pretty well with all of the, all of the fancy research that, that you tend to see. Um, I, I know it does for me. Like today, still today, having been in, in, in this industry for, for almost 25 years now, I, I still can go back almost more than 10 years to one of my favorite teams that I worked with when I was still a software developer. And I love the entire team because we came in every single day and it's like, all right, what do we want to teach each other? What do we want to learn from each other? It was, this work is really cool. You know, it was something, and I, we knew that somebody was going to use it and find it really valuable. Uh, we had uh, managers who said, I trust you. Mm-hmm. You all know <laughs> how to write code. I don't. Tell me what you need from me. And we had customers who, who believed in us even when we messed up because we said, we messed up, but here's what we're going to do differently. And they said, great, try it. Here's a short period of time, go off. And that's what, that's what we did. Man, that's rich. That, that, that's some rich experience that both of you are sharing. Right? So I'm going to ask you to go even a little deeper and, and talk about, you know, share an experience that you had personally when belonging increased a personal team's resiliency. Um, sure. So back to, I have a few, but the one that comes to mind is working again at the community nonprofit and having, because um, we were doing trauma work with children and their families and that you are meeting people on like usually the worst days of their lives. And that can be extremely draining, especially in a therapeutic space where you want to join and connect and, but you you want to be sure that you don't get stepped in. So coming back to the team and having at this point, it was I was a therapist and my case manager and us just being able to debrief or laugh about the fact that um, we got I couldn't get the car started. And she's like, oh, my goodness, like what's going to happen? And that's just kind of being able to laugh and have that camaraderie. And it's just like, oh, wow, people are starting to feel, you know, more like it's not just about the work. It's about how we are interacting with each other and those interpersonal skills. And that case manager and the other clinician that I used to work with on a regular basis and refer cases to back and forth because we trusted each other with the three of us now work together on, on the podcast. And that's 15 years later, because we were like, oh, we need to find a way to be able to work together again, because we remembered how good it felt to work together in, in the nonprofit. And it, it really was that sense of belonging. We knew we had each other's, other's back and we trusted their high levels of communication, being able to be collaborative, and then also a sense of autonomy too, where, you know, even though like, yes, there's certain things that we might've had a, cause our position 
changed and sometimes we would end up supervising one one another. But with, even with those changes, because we felt like, hey, not only do we belong here, but I know that you see and trust me, no matter what our roles are, even if it becomes supervisor and supervisee, we're good. And we wanted that feel good feeling again. And so we started working together on the podcast. Nice. Yeah, I love that being able to work with each other over and over again. Um, yeah, my story is is similar from that aspect. Uh, I, I can remember. I mean, I, I was just kind of alluding to it. Uh, one of the software teams that I worked on, I was I was I was in the lead position, and this was before we started using Agile on this team, and we had a delivery date, and we all knew that we were going to deliver a stinky pile of garbage. And that's in fact what we did uh, because, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it wasn't, there's a lot of reasons, let's just say. And um, I remember walking into our our customer's office and saying, I know this is not what you want, nor what you need. Um, I want, we want to show you what we did, but we actually want to talk to you about a different way of working. And if you give us a chance, this will be better and shortly. Uh, and we all, as a team, we didn't feel great about what we were delivering, but, you know, we also had a good time working with each other and we had a strength in, in our particular team and we made a commitment to each other and our customer to do better. And so while we, while we delivered something that we weren't proud of, we knew we could do better because um, we believed in each other. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, that, that particular program turned out to be it was just a 180 of what we did in a pretty short amount of time. Um, and it, it ended up won, winning awards <laughs> for that for our team. And to this day, again, more than 10 years later, I still have connections with a lot of those folks. And we have worked with each other again, again and again in certain instances, because that experience was just so rich with each other. And even that customer has called on some of us over and over again to help him out in, in other um, in other cases. So it, for me, it was one of those things of believing each other. And for, for us, that's where we drew a lot of our resilience. Now that's cool, man. Cause you know, w- when resilience become a, a profitability thing, yeah, I mean, right. That is so nice. Yeah. So what words of encouragement would you like to gift the listeners with today? I think you did a lot of it, but, you know, as we're, <laughs> we're coming toward the, the closing of our interview, it's like or our conversation of like, what else do you got to, that people would like, give me that, give me that, you know? I, I think for me, it's, it's um, I, I kind of mentioned earlier, right, finding your passion, um, being able to understand what your passion is and then uh, being able to play around with that, right? See where it takes you. Um, for me, it's, it's not holding it so, so tightly or to, so rigidly in terms of here's the steps I need to do. It's, wow, this is something that really sparks me. And so let's see where it goes. What, how can I learn a little bit more about how whatever that thing is? Um, it's brought me joy. And so for me, that, that's one of the things um, I even, we, we talked to our kids about this, uh, is, is finding what is the thing that kind of really lights you up. 
Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, to add from there, and one of the things that I, I end sometimes even sessions with is be gentle with yourself because that inner critic gets really loud for us sometimes. And it's just being able to turn that down and being able to be gentle with yourself so that you can um, honor when you want some joy and be okay with your passions might change mm -hmm. and that's okay. So along with being gentle, I'm gonna invite you to be curious about yourself, be a curious observer and explorer and looking at it, life, this, this is actually an advice from my mom, but where life is an adventure. And what I, I expand that by saying, and adventures are not just one thing. They're gonna be ups and downs, toils, and sometimes strife, but then there's gonna be those joy moments, those moments where you, you know, feel just bliss and just being able to be okay and know that you can handle whatever's gonna, gonna come up. You might not feel like you have the tool at the time, but if you connect and you are connecting, then there is gonna be somebody that might have that tool that can help you out. So being able to also be open to being supported by others, because even though as adults, we say, oh, I gotta do this on my own, on your own does not mean completely by yourself. So look what, where you can, can connect with others as well. If I could just say, um, on a personal note, uh, Nikki's uh, Be Gentle With Yourself. <laughs> These are words I hear very often and thankfully. Uh, so yeah, just crazy, crazy helpful. I think particularly for the past several years, it's it's been rough. Um, and just being able to be gentle with yourself and know, well, you know, lots of crazy stuff is going on. You don't have to be 100% every single day because there's a lot of weird stuff going on um, that affects all of us. Yeah. So that, that be gentle is huge. Thank you. <laughs> you know, those four words are just such great words of kindness. Right. I mean, just kindness for yourself and for others. So, I mean, thank you so much. And, and I just want to say, like, you know, Brandon and Nikki Raines, um, man, I mean, I just love the conversation that we had today. And um, I'm sure, you know, the audience would also love it as well. And I'm really looking forward to hear what you got, what you got to go to talk about um, in February during uh, Black History Month on the Agile for Humanity conference. You know, can't 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 wait. <laughs> you know, is where I am with that. I'm like, man, this is powerful. Um, anything else you would like to add before um, before I close? And just in gratitude towards you, Dr. Dave. Thank you so much for having this platform and in, inviting us out today. I think it's the more, again, language, right? The more that gets out there and people are able to talk about it, not just in one space, especially as a mental health professional, but also uh, no longer um, practicing attorney, that this is not dedicated to just the mental health space, being able to talk about resilience in all spaces. So I, I thank you. Thank you. And and just to let you know, you know, we're fortunate to get another power couple like yourselves um, with, with um, Devon and Lizzie, you know, oh. to also be the other keynotes on Friday night, Friday. So, you know, power couples, right? Yeah. <laughs> 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 right. You know, bringing our people out, you know, so thank you for um, not making us follow them. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I actually did. Ah. <laughs> so um, game on. Hey. 
No, no. I, I, I bow down. You know, I'm amazing. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm just really grateful and you know that we have both couples, you know, who are doing really amazing things in, in our space and beyond, right? To be able to bring that out into our community during a very special time, I think, you know, for all of us. So, so yeah. thank you. I'm very grateful. It makes me emotional sometimes. So <laughs> thank you. So thank you. So let me close and say, you know, thank you for listening to the Nal Share with Dr. Dave podcasts, um, I invite you to come back for more insights and perspectives that may help you with discovering resiliently you. And so now share with Dr. Dave podcasts is streamed on Spotify, Apple, Audible, Google, and many other platforms. The music for our podcast was created by my niece, Kiana Brow Hendrickson. Thank you, Kiana. Um, this podcast is also copywritten 2022 by Dr. Dave Cornelius and now share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for our next episode of Resiliently You as we continue to share our stories and experiences. Be well and speak soon. Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.